Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings and the Pro Football Bias Plus Reports. And this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello, hello out there. This is Ben Dickerson, your co-host. Wow. A lot of people, including myself, all agree that last week's games, the divisional playoffs, was some of the best football we've seen. I can't even remember how far to go. I can't remember. I could probably come up with a great game here and there. I could even come up with a couple of great games that were just played maybe a couple of weeks ago. But the weekend as a whole, all four games, great drama, great on, play. We're going to talk about those games great, in great, the quarter great. of the show. We're going to talk about them. You ready? First quarter, let's go. Ben, my results show that apparently there's an inverse relationship between when the favorites all lose, except for one. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I'm at 25% on the win ratio. <laughs> <laughs> This was a weekend to remember, bro. So Ben, you, you thought this was a historically good weekend of football, eh? Yes. Yes, I did. Let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals at the Titans game. All right. This was the only one that we got that the, the net points or the bias plus report got right was the Correct. Bengals. And you see how tight it was with a bias plus on average of 1.6 favoring that those Bengals. What yeah. happened? What what's with with uh what's the quarterback for um for the Titans? Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. I kind of know what happened, but he threw what three picks? Threw three interceptions. One of them on the the first one was on the first play of the game, their first possession kind of a precursor to uh, <laughs> the rest of the game. Uh, in fact, uh, I chose the Titans to win this game, so I actually went 0 for 4. So I know how the bias is feeling. You know, oh my you, goodness. you're rolling along at, at 65 68 70% all season long, and then all of a sudden you win one out of four. I went 0 for 4. So, <laughs> you know. I mean, you picked an upset there, but the other three were actually upsets. Well, based, well, on, based on the bias. Uh, well, okay, good. I'm glad you said that. Based, based on the, on the bias, bias. Yes, Cincinnati, the bias. Right? let's go to the next one. Slow down. The first one. Bengals. You definitely have to say, I picked the Titans, meaning I picked an upset based on the bias, but not based on the bias. I would say that was not picking an upset. I would because Vegas had the Titans favored, I believe. Vegas uh, had the Titans favored? They were the number one seed. They were the home team. 
They had the better record. They had everything going for them. I'm pretty sure that they were the favorite. It may okay. not have been by much, but I'm pretty sure they were. So in that case, it wouldn't have been an upset. However, I went back and I looked at our video from last week and I gave every reason why I thought the Bengals would win. And then I picked the Titans. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't I have no excuses for that. None at all. Uh, and 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 the bottom line on this game was. Not 100 percent. And before we're done with this video, I'll prove it's not 100 percent, but not 100 percent. But more than likely, the team that loses the turnover battle will lose the game. And in this case, that was true. Yeah, well, that's why we that's the plus and the bias plus. It's, it's, it's about those turnovers. Um, and I, I have something I want to say about the Bengals, but I'm going to wait until we do the bias plus report. Let me take let's take a look at the next game. Okay. Niners at Packers. Bias plus favorite the Packers. I know Vegas favored the Packers. Yes. So I, I, bro, I I'm not mad. I love the games. I enjoyed them thoroughly. I, I have nothing to complain about these games. But, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, and I'm going, uh, I didn't think this all the way through when I was making my choices. Now, here's my, here's my mea culpa, if I'm using that term correctly. I don't really look at the upcoming games until we get on here and begin to do the show. I don't pre-prepare who I'm going to pick to beat who. You know what I mean? I like to wait, see the matchup in front of my eyes, and see what the bias plus says before I make my call. If I thought about this maybe the day before and then did that, I would probably come up with different answers every week. Now, that being said, again, I had every reason in the world to pick the 49ers. I've been on them for the last six weeks. I've been defending them against you, who's their biggest fan. I almost lost my mind when you tried to talk dirty about Jimmy Garoppolo last week. Okay? I, I'm going crazy. Your 99 Madden quarterback lost to the 79 Madden quarterback. I told you, leave that alone. Told you the boys are 90 in Ben's mind. But there's no video game called Ben. There's only a video game called Madden. That's what you love. That's what you got. But Ben's video game up here? says Jimmy G is a 90, and he beat the Packers. But the, how he did it? Mm -mm 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 -mm. Turnovers and special teams. How crazy is that? So really, if you really, really look at it, Jimmy G did exactly what most Niners fans were probably saying that they wanted him to do the entire season, as long or as long as he stays the starting quarterback for this team, and that is don't lose the game. Don't lose the game. Don't throw picks. Don't get make fumbles. Don't get fumbles. And 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 game manage. And he basically did that. He basically did that. But the horrendous difference between the Niners special teams and the Packers special teams, which is not something most commentators and most television shows and sports shows talk about, but it was mentioned during the game 
when it looked like the Packers were really coming apart at the seams on special teams was that they were last, dead last, number 32 in special teams. And the Niners were pretty high. They were looking pretty good. I don't, I don't think they were number one, but they were up there. And the difference became very, very evident. And the difference kept the Niners in the game on top of the fact that they did what they had to do with their running game. Jimmy G protected the ball. Debo was all over the field. And he's already hard to scheme against. He made it even harder. Like It's like every week they're using more and in more different ways. But number one reason the Niners won, in my estimation, was the defense was balling. They kept Aaron Rodgers out of the end zone. And that alone is one of the most difficult things you could ever have to do when you're playing a Packers team. So kudos to the Niners, special kudos to the Niners special teams. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, special kudos to the Niners defense. Yeah, that defense, man. Um, <laughs> when they brought Josh Norman in, people were going, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely. He, was, sure. he balled with him. He, he, you know, he did what he needed to do. And, uh, you know, he, he had to deal with the number one receiver at a couple times. That was interesting. Um, the, the, the Packers were a couple – a step off of a couple pick sixes that Jimmy threw out to the flats and everybody kind of held it like breath, like, you know, and you heard the commentator speak on them, but sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And, Absolutely. You know, it, it is what it is. So I, I'm happy about that. Um, the question about uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers under pressure. I remember talking to you about that saying that when I was playing the game, it came up on TV and I was like, wow, you know, the stat was, a, it was an actual stat that they were showing. They were, you know, his quarterback rating like dropped like precipitously. And it was like, you know, that, that just blew my mind. So um, the bottom line is this, if, if we can pressure with our front four on defense, it's, it's a long day for anybody. Uh, but, to, but you know, we'll talk about the upcoming games. But, yeah, uh, defense, special teams, and when Jimmy needed to get us within field goal range, he did that. And um, goal was goal. So what can I tell you? Um, next up, we talked about uh, right, that L.A. Rams. At, again, Tampa Bay, favorite. Now, these is home teams, right? Tampa Bay, they didn't have to go through a wild card, did they? Yes. Okay, they did. Okay. So they they they, they both had wild card games. Um, they were favored by his plus of, of four. And Tom Brady almost did the miracle, miracle thing and bring them back. But your boy Cooper Cup. <laughs> Big this, game, this, this game had a lot of components. Um, and I, I mentioned this, the special team. Uh, geez, I keep messing up special teams and turnovers. The, the, the thing I said about the team that loses the turnover battle usually loses the game. That didn't happen this time. The Rams actually lost the turnover battle. 
the Rams coughed the ball up like four or five times. Uh, I wrote it down. They had four turnovers, uh, three fumbles, and uh, it, it, it was crazy. However, because they came out on fire, <laughs> looked like they caught the uh, Tampa Bay defense uh, with their pants down there a little bit early on and ran up such a big score that although the turnovers did help Brady in his comeback effort, they were able to survive it. Ryan Suckup also missed a field goal. So, so uh, what was the final score of the game? The final score of the game was 30-27. That's three points. Suckup missed a field goal somewhere earlier in the game. They had all those turnovers. Brady did what he could, but he had to throw the ball 54 times in this game to come back. That's a tall task, even for Brady. That's a lot of throws, man. It, it looked like they were trying to do the same thing that um, that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers was, were trying to do, and that is we're going to roll with our main guys and we're just going to keep feeding them the ball and, and, and doing what we do best, and that should be enough to win the game. But it wasn't because if you go back and look, Aaron Rodgers didn't have a terrible day. He didn't throw the ball that much, but he was fairly efficient, 20 and 29, 225. But the fact that he couldn't get any touchdown passes, he couldn't get into the end zone, that was a credit to the San Francisco defense. Also, uh, the San Francisco coaching staff did a great job with time management and, and, and managing when to punt, when how to receive punts, when to fair catch, blah, 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 that helped them with field position. So here we go, same thing happens to Tampa Bay, except they fall behind so far that they're scratching and clawing to come back. They expose some weaknesses in the Rams' defense. It just took them too long going long to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they tried to do the same thing too. They leaned on Leonard Fournette. They leaned on Mike Evans. Nothing wrong with that. It looked like they were trying to get Gronk going early, but then he kind of just fall off, fell off a little bit. So uh, it pretty much ended up being all on Brady. He did hit a whole lot of different people with passes. So he spread it around. He used all his resources in the comeback effort. But again, it was too much to overcome. He still almost pulled it off. It was too much to overcome. Oh, and Cooper yeah, Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. Okay. It, it wasn't 13 seconds like the game we're going to talk about, but it was, ooh, it wasn't much time left. I think it was like 40 something seconds. Yeah. 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 Okay. He hits him with a critical play downfield and he's able to get out of bounds to stop the clock. Rushing everybody. Come on. But the, but the long one that made it basically, I mean, 30-yard field goal in the NFL now is almost a, almost a gimme. It's on the edge of not being a gimme, okay? They were hoping to get in field goal range, and his, his range is like right around 50, Matt Gay. The reason they were able to get a 30-yard is because Cooper Cup ran what he called a love-of-the-game route. Is that what he called it? Oh, the love of the game route. Stafford said it in the post-game interview. You ran a route, we call it the love of the game route. Basically, when you run a love of the game route, you are burning your behind downfield to open something up for somebody else. 
He was a take. He was the take the top off guy on that play. <laughs> and Tampa Bay decides they're going to send another rusher instead of keeping another guy back. There was supposedly communication error there. The safety did not know that the defense that was originally called had been changed. And before he realized it, Cup stepping on his toes. He tries to turn and run. He's beat too late. Boom. Basically, that's what happened. So, uh, great game. Awesome game. All right. And then the piece de resistance. Your boys, the Buffalo Bills, favorite like a champ, number one in net points, just number one, number one in so many categories all season long. And, you know, go ahead. <laughs> but wait, let me say this much. In the fourth quarter, for the people that are here, make sure you check it out in the fourth quarter when we do current events. Because I have a still shot. And I had to ask the question. When Tyreek Hill turned around and said deuces, where was he in relationship to everybody else? Because I could have swore there were people ahead of him on the other team when he turned around and said deuces. <laughs> uh, I can remember at least one. And it was one, yes. And he had the angle. <laughs> if we were talking about somebody other than Tyreek Hill, he might have been able to push him out at the one. I'll show you that. I got the still shot, and we could talk about that in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, go ahead. Buffalo Bills, yeah, this, this Kansas game, City Chiefs, two awesome, awesome quarterbacks. Th this game for actual – firepower and star power and 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 just great exciting playmaking was probably the best of the four games the other you know the other three turned out to be down to the wire this happened that happened neither team can score who's going to score who's going to score that kind of thing we had two of those and then you had the one game with the rams in tampa bay where one goes out and gets a big lead the other one comes back excuse me is it going to be enough is it going to be enough oh they tie it up oh it looks like it might go to overtime and then the rams roll down the field kick the field goal boom it's over but this game was just freaking crazy okay first of all let me say this i love josh allen i love patrick mahomes okay but i really really love josh allen josh allen just cemented himself as an elite quarterback for anybody out there who's still with the old narrative about him not being an accurate thrower and he runs too much and all this this guy put that team on his back and he delivered over and over and over and over again in this game patrick mahomes people kind of expect him to play like that he's played like that before people never had issues with his accuracy or when he runs or he runs too much except for me i think he gets out of the pocket a little bit too quick sometimes but he was really sharp and Josh Allen was really sharp. Neither team committed a turnover in this game. Not near a lost fumble. Not near an interception. Lost fumble. A lost fumble. I think somebody dropped one and they got it back. Okay. 
yeah, ball got loose from somebody and they got it back. There was no, there were no turnovers in this game. None, no block kicks, none, none of that. Okay. Um, I, I could talk about this game for a long time, but I don't want to, and I know you don't want me to, but let me say this. If you hear me start to talk about something I read about a game from people on Facebook, stop me and say, Ben, you said you weren't going to do that anymore. Because people take all the fun and joy out of watching a really good game. I'm seeing people talking about whoever Buffalo's defensive coordinator is, he should be fired. What? Buffalo was the number one defense in the league. All those great games they played don't mean nothing. Okay? They mean nothing. Their defense stinks. What? I will say this. They made some errors. And the errors that they made, I will have to blame on the coach. I believe that they went to uh, particular uh, defensive formations that they probably should not have been yeah, in. I thought and about you. I said, wait a minute. Were they in the prevent? Because Ben said the only thing it prevents is the only prevent defense or something does like that. is prevent you from winning. Oh, yeah. That's, I yeah. thought. <laughs> yeah. They were, I'm not going to say they were in a prevent, but they were playing extremely soft zones. And you, you just you just you can't soften up like that unless you're up three scores and it's only a minute left. You know what I mean? You, you can't. I believe um, the Chiefs had their had their timeouts. Okay, so which, that, which that makes it the, even that worse. The middle of the field was available, you know, because you didn't have right. to worry about stopping the clock. Right. So you know, you still got. Well, I'm not sure. You have to double check on the timeout situation because. Uh, I remember uh, Mahomes saying something along the lines of uh, Kelsey changing his route on a particular play, uh, the big catch that he made in the middle of the field to before they got down and kicked the field goal to take it to overtime. And it was because they were protecting the sidelines. So that leads me to believe that they may have had only one timeout left, if any. So the Bills were trying to prevent them from catching the ball and getting out of bounds. So, yeah, if they do that, they are going to give up the middle. Now, if you give up the middle, you catch the ball and they tackle you. Obviously, if you have a timeout, you're going to need to use it. So if that was the case and they had one, he throws the ball down the middle of Kelsey, who basically called that route for himself. And then they burned the last timeout. And then they got a little closer and then they kicked the field goal. Okay, fine. That's great. The fact that they did it, in 13 seconds, uh, I have to blame, blame that on that soft zone. You, you can't play that soft zone. You can play the zone, but Tyreek Hill needs to be doubled. And when I say double, I don't mean this guy and this guy. I mean this guy and the rest of the zone. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to be in his face, and when he starts to run his rap, you have to trip him, kick him, punch him, smack him in the head, elbow him. Because guess what? If you grab him off the line of scrimmage <clears throat> before the ball's in the air and the clock is running, 
and and you just take him and throw him down. The play's going to end. They're going to throw a ten yard penalty for holding, and now there's only five seconds left. But no, they just let the dude just take off willy nilly. Who's going to cover this guy on a crossing route? He comes out of the left slot, breaks right on a crossing route. You can't stay with him. Well, that's what I, we talked about that so often, and that's one of the things I used to say about speed. If you can get somebody on that route running from one sideline to the other, they, but they get got the zone so over top, and they missed tackles. They missed three tackles minimum. Yeah, well, he once you get the ball in his hands, he it gets scary, whirly, and just it, it, it gets. And, I, it gets scary. I understand that, but these dudes missed. He didn't do nothing magical. They missed. Well, the, it 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 was a great weekend, like you said. Um, Bias Plus went twenty five percent. The the teams that were favored in most cases, except maybe one you were talking about with uh, 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 Vegas, um, lost, and so it's just you know and. I actually posted on Facebook, I said, wow, every game is like down to the wire. You know what I mean? Every game was down to the wire, whether it was a three-point win or a six-point win, you know, every game was down to the wire, to the last second. And so great weekend of of football. You couldn't ask for more than that. Um, And so now we go to the next quarter, Benny. All right, Benny, let's get ready to kick off the second quarter. This, again, is Ben and Barry on football. You can find us at www.benandbarryonfootball.com, as well as social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and on podcast, Spotify, Apple, and Anchor Podcasts. All of that being said, Benny, man, after... Uh, last week, okay, we're going to talk about points. So this came, this came up. Bucky Brooks, on one of the shows, they were talking about MVPs. And he said, I think they should consider kickers for MVPs. <laughs> he said, they score the most points on the team. He's right. He's right. <laughs> they do. So I said, Okay, I said, that's, you know, let me go look. And he said something like the top 15 scorers in the league are all kickers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I picked out a few kickers and took a look at the amount of points that they scored and then looked at them relative to the total team points to come up to see what percentage of the points for that team, did the kicker actually score? <laughs> That's pretty cool. I like that. You like that? A <laughs> little bit yeah. of math. A little bit of math. As you can see, um, Nick uh, Nick Folt for the Patriots, thirty two percent. Him and uh, Daniel Carson for the Raiders both put up one hundred and fifty points themselves. 
Uh, the Raiders, actually, because they scored less, his percentage was 40. He had the high of this group that I looked at. 40% of the points that the Raiders scored, Daniel Carson scored those points. It will make you think, hmm, you might have to think about it. He might have been the MVP of the team. <laughs> that's that's actually Carlson. Is it Carlson? I'm glad you think. Yeah. Correct me. But, but you, this, you know what this reminds me of? I'm what? sorry. Really, really fast fantasy story. I'm in the league that my daughter runs. She's the commissioner of the league. And there's a guy in the league that always has these goofball ideas to me. I'm sorry. In my opinion, has all these goofball ideas about rules and rule changes. And he's like, why don't we add another flex player who could be either a running back, a tight end, or a wide receiver and do away with the kicker? He says, kickers never do anything. I'm like, dude, you never watch football games. <laughs> kickers never do anything. He said that. He eh? said, kickers aren't worth having on your fantasy team. I have won games with kickers. <laughs> many times, many times, especially in fantasy, because anything over 45 yards, you get more than three points for. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. A kick from zero up to like 39 is worth three, but 39 to, to 49 is worth four and 50 and plus is worth five. So I've been down five with nobody left but my kicker or down four or down three with nobody left but my kicker and he kicks a 50-yarder and I win the game. <laughs> but don't tell me about – I understand the value of kickers. I think this is a big deal here. This is a good thing. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, we'll talk a little bit more about it again. Um, Evan McPherson, you know his name popped out because uh, that's where I live at. Um, 28%, the Niners, 23%, and Matt Gay, 31%. So that's an interesting thing right there. The Niners are, are supposedly good in the red zone. Um, so Robbie Gold maybe isn't getting as many field goal attempts. Yeah, um, I would say so. He was out a little bit too, I think, this season. I think he had some injury issues. He, yeah, he had something going on. Yeah, he had uh, something going on for a That is true. Good red zone teams, that usually hampers the kicker a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. So anyway, I just thought that was something fun. I saw it when I heard Bucky Brooks. I was like, okay, Bucky, I'm going to take a close look at this uh, or a closer look at it and see how that all works out. And uh, so that that's a little bit of that right there. All right, next up. Let's actually look at the net point power rankings. All right. Now, <laughs> we only did the four teams that are left. That's fine. Net points is the difference between points for and points against. We rank them for all of those categories, including turnover differential. Ben. When we were talking a little earlier about the Bengals, and I said there was something that I wanted to mention, it's it's showing up right away in the turnover differential. They're tied with the Chiefs at plus four. Mm -hmm. I'm listening to Chris Carter this morning, 
and he's talking about the Bengals safeties. I just played two games against the Bengals and I could not be sloppy in the least. They were snatching that ball left and right. And I'm like, oh, who are these guys? <laughs> so the Bengals they have a little secret something going on. Um, but the Chiefs, uh, obviously, you know, at, at plus four uh, over the season are right there with them. So I don't know if that's going to negate it uh, when they play, when uh, they, they play, but uh, it's interesting that they're both at plus four. As you can see, the Rams are at plus two and my Niners are at minus four. Chiefs in terms of net points, that's NP, 101. Again, these are totals, net points. Rams at 84, Bengals at 82, and the Niners at 58. In terms of scoring, Chiefs are, you know, in terms of the last four teams, number one, 522 points total. Again, this includes regular season and postseason. Rams, 494, Bengals, 486, and Niners, 450. Um, now, Interesting thing about the Niners is you see net points, you see points for there in last place in all the categories, except the next one, points against. 392 is the first place in terms of points against. Bengals come in next at 404, then the Rams at 410, and then the Chiefs at 421. So those are the points given up over this uh, year to date. We'll just say it that way. It makes it a little easier. And again, over in the turnover differential, uh, we talked about one and two actually tied between the Bengals and the Chiefs. The Rams are third with plus two. And again, my Niners are in last place with minus four. So I know we ran into some really difficult times um, midway or plus through the season and weren't playing necessarily good. And we were turning the ball over a lot. So, um, you know, if you're a Niner fan, we've been through that. We know what the deal is. But right now, the defense is, is mean. They're doing it. They're getting it done. It was interesting at, at the, at the uh, Packer game, at near the end of the game, watching Debo leave the field, like, just limping. Like, <laughs> like this game, is, <laughs> he's just, let me get off the field. He was, like, it was over with. But, I mean, he's limping, and then I look up, I see Kittle. He's limping. Everybody looked like they had just given everything they had um, in that particular game. And then they get to turn around and then play in sunny California. <laughs> well, that's, that's good for them. And, yeah. uh, I mean, Green Bay was the one place weather-wise where you didn't want to play. They went up there. It was already freezing cold. Then it started snowing, and they braved it. And they got it got away with the wind. So, you know, they they deserve to to have a nice warm weather game and uh they'll be home. No, well No, they're not. Well, I don't know if you're gonna bring this up later or not, but if ticket sales go the way they usually do, they will be at home. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. But um the, the bottom line is it'll be good weather. Um I haven't taken a look at the injury reports yet because they don't really get serious until Thursday anyway. But uh, I think everybody's probably going to be okay. Uh, the one person I would be most concerned with as a Niners fan 
is uh, your left tackle, Trent Williams. You want to make sure that he's he's healthy because I think he kind of limped out of there too. All right, Debo, well, we're gonna we're gonna go into the analysis of the game in in the third quarter. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting away. But anyway, so let's talk about the rankings. So obviously, if the Chiefs weren't number one, everybody would probably be in shock. As you can see, 101. The Rams are second at 84. So the Chiefs obviously over the course of the season and through the postseason are the number one team out there as far as the overall ranking is concerned or the net point ranking is concerned. And that's bolstered by the fact that they have the number one scoring offense that's still left. And not only are they the number one scoring offense, but again, Rams sitting at number two behind them. That's a pretty good little disparaging uh, number there. 522 as opposed to 494. So as much as people talk about the Rams and all their great weapons and all that, the Chiefs are obviously, you know, really, really putting the points up on the board. They have been. They probably will continue to do that. The, uh, the difference, though, <clears throat> is it looks like it's almost flipped completely around when you look at points against. Yeah, doesn't it? Right. It's almost perfectly. Actually, if you look at it, it is. actually is the opposite. Yeah, complete the opposite. I'm going, it kind of looks like it's no, it actually is the opposite. <laughs> and, and this is crazy. And we'll just use the same two teams again, Chiefs and Rams. Not that big a difference. 410, the Rams are giving up. 421, the Chiefs are giving up. Here's the difference. Look at the Niners and points against 392. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good considering all the games that have been played so far. The turnover thing, I'm not going to look at that too much. I'm not going to make too big a deal of that. Although three teams are on the plus side and the Niners, Niners are minus four, they're carrying some baggage from earlier in the season, like you said. So I wouldn't make a big deal out of that. We got four really good teams here, man. And, I mean, I had basically made a Super Bowl prediction last week, and that's gone to hell. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna watch from now on. I'm I'm rooting for your team. I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't. So I gotta go with you. I, I'm gonna root for the Niners, and and that'll be the end of it. But this 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 thing is shaping up really really nicely here, really nicely. Well, you know, um, last week we said. Styles make fights. Yes. And then I heard it on television this week <laughs> again. Yes. And I'm looking at the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Bengals. And I'm I'm looking and I'm just, if I were to just have a fighter, boxer, you had to be in one or the other. I'm saying Chiefs, Rams, Bengals, boxer. The only fighter left there is the Niners. He's kind of like he's kind of like um what's his name from Philly? What's what's the uh the figure? Rocky? Rocky. Like, <laughs> they keep having to get up, but they're not favored anywhere along the line. <laughs> they're the underdog. So the, so the Niners are Rocky. Huh? This, this is the narrative you've chosen. The Niners <laughs> are Rocky. And the Chiefs are Apollo Creed. <laughs> If you hear if you hear Kittle go, Adrian. <laughs> That's pretty oh good. Oh my goodness. Like okay, that. well look, that was so much fun. Let's get ready to go to those matchups in the third quarter. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right.
and the Bias Plus reports for the NFL Conference Championships for the 2021-2022 season. And interesting, the early game is actually the Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. Bias Plus score of 19. Again, these are based on total numbers, not averages. Favors the Chiefs. You take 19 uh, divided by 20 games, you got about a, a, a one, a little less than one on average differential between these two teams. And the thing that's interesting we talked about with the turnover differential um, is, is that, you know, how, how much of, you know, how can, can the Bengals turn the Chiefs over like they have been doing everybody else? Um, lastly, before I let you go, I just want to say it is still amazing to me when Mahomes throws a ball, it doesn't look like he's like trying to throw it hard, but it's the smoothest high velocity ball that gets there from point A to point B in such a smooth fashion in the way it looks to me. It's, I just find it absolutely amazing that, that. Um, his passes look the way they look um, coming out. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, Cincinnati. And, and Burroughs is just, he just seems like he's on top of his confidence game right now. So that has a whole nother aspect to it. What do you got on this? Well, uh, as far as Mahomes and his throwing motion and the way his ball comes looks when it comes out, that's, that's that baseball influence. He's got that shortstop flick of the wrist thing going for him. So he doesn't have to like really load up and put his all his, his whole arm into it. He can whip it just like a baseball player throwing the first base. So uh, I'll give him that. Um, this is going to be an interesting game. The Bengals defense is obviously better than most people suspected. Uh, and again, I still say the Chiefs defense is a little bit clunky. They have their moments. But um, I think I'm not sure how many times they sacked Josh Allen, but I would venture to guess that it wasn't more than two or three in that game. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow will not be able to run for much needed first downs more than maybe a couple of times. And the best bet is he get down and slide if he does. He is not Josh Allen. Other than that, he's going to have to do with his arm. And he's going to have to get a little bit more out of Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon was pretty average last week. Um, so Burrow had to do most of the heavy lifting along with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Of course, when you have T. Higgins and you have a Jamar Chase, it makes things a lot easier. Uh, those guys are big-time receivers, as young as they are. They are really big-time receivers. Um, for the Chiefs, uh, I was – Pleasantly surprised uh, because the only thing that I had kind of going as a negative for the Chiefs offense was the fact that I didn't I don't really respect their running game that much. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire did come back and play pretty well. Um, Darrell Williams was out. Gore didn't play. But Jared McKinnon had some real nice runs. In fact, one of his runs made angry runs on uh on the network on uh, good morning football um he plowed over somebody going out of bounds um 
The other thing was everybody talks about Chiefs got all this speed, but they hardly ever really use it. Well, last week, they really used it. They really got Nicole Hardman involved. Pringle caught a touchdown and had a couple of nice catches. They got everybody going. And when they get everybody going, that takes a lot of pressure off of Kelsey and off of Hill, which makes them extremely, extremely dangerous. Um, I love the Bengals. I would love nothing more than to see the Bengals upset the Chiefs, but I cannot bet against them. And even though I'm not really betting, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game. They're home. They're high-powered. Andy Reid's got all kinds of crazy formations and plays going on. Andy is Andy is like in the lab. This is crazy, the stuff he's been coming up with offensively. But if the is it Bengals, Andy or is it off his offensive coordinator? Well, see, I give Andy the credit. I give Andy the credit because he is the head coach and because Eric Bieniemy has been under his wing the entire time. Who verbally calls the plays? I'm not exactly sure. I think they share it. They both wear headsets. They both talk. They both put the card up over their faces. So it's it's hard to tell. Verbally calling is one thing. Play verbally calling the play and deciding. You didn't let me finish, bro. You didn't let me okay. finish. But verbally calling the play and deciding what play should be called is two different things. And they never divulge who does that. So I really don't know. I really don't know. It, it, Andy could be saying, this is what I want. And the enemy could have the right of first refusal or just make the call. Or it could be the other way around. Andy could say, what do you like? And the enemy could say, I like this. And then he says, okay, let's go with it. Or no, let's do that. So I don't know. It was interesting. It's both of them. I'm sorry. I said it's both of them. They, they were asking Andy about uh, some of the um, impromptu changes on the field between uh, Mahomes and and, Ke and Kelsey um, and some changes, and they were saying how often does that happen? And he said it doesn't happen often. He says, but when they make them, they're usually right. <laughs> you know, make the little adjustments yeah. and stuff. Um, Mahomes with the big play over the middle. Yeah. So they, the, the the play before. Uh, I can't remember if they had a timeout or not. They knew what the play call was, and Kelsey told Mahomes, if they come out in this particular defense, I'm not running that. I'm running this. And when they line up, and you can see, I saw it on Instagram, they have the live thing, and you can hear him say, do it, Kels, do it. Oh, Meaning, really? Yeah, what you said, go ahead and do it. Okay. Because he saw what Kelsey's told him to look for. Okay, okay, okay. Mahomes, of the four quarterbacks, Mahomes is the most mobile. Would you agree? Of the four quarterbacks left, yes. Okay, all right. So that oh, means you basically – yeah. So basically you have like three pocket quarterbacks, and Mahomes is kind of the combination pocket running quarterback. He ran very effectively – you know, and got out yeah, of one really big one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, and, but, but yet when it came time 
when it came money time, when when you know you can't make that run, you got to live off your arm. He was able to do it, and so were the other quarterbacks. So I don't know how much that says about running quarterbacks and Lamar and the, and what he has to do to get to the next level, those type of things. But it just comes to point where you got to win from the pocket. You got to, which means you got to play ultimate team ball. The pocket, I think, is more ultimate team ball. So it's interesting to see that. But but Mahomes just happens to be someone who can play both pocket and run. And he's very effective at both. Yeah, I, I don't consider Mahomes a running quarterback. I consider Mahomes a quarterback who has the ability to run. Yeah, to I me, to me, the definition of a running quarterback is a is a is a quarterback who they have built in run calls for him, more than one, more than a quarterback sneak. You know what I mean? They have actually so in that respect, I would consider Josh Josh Allen's kind of like right on the edge of being a running quarterback, quarterback has the ability to run. Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback. Those, they're, they're part of their run game. They have calls built into their offense for them to just run. So, you know, so yes, we have one quarterback who has the ability to run and run very well if he needs to, has to, wants to. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not that gives them an advantage, I don't know. That's, that's going to be up to the defenses because – Stafford is starting to lick his chops like, bro, I've never been here before. I've been trying to get here for a long time, and I'm not going to blow this. Stafford. I'm not going to blow this. Stafford? And, and, yeah, Stafford. And and we, Jimmy we, G. Wait a minute, we haven't gotten that game yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting away. See, you said you mentioned all four quarterbacks. He threw me. Go okay. ahead. What's the next game? Well, the next game is Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> Look at that fat bias plus 32 favorite 32. LA Rams. The bias plus does not take into account the specific win-loss record between these two teams. Which is like 6-0 and for the Niners or something like that. <laughs> I wanted to give you the pleasure of saying that. Oh my goodness. It, it's 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 so scary. But we talked about the fighter and the boxer. And they, you know, you know, the Niners, they want to muddy up the, the, the thing. They want to, you know, their defense is, is playing at a level that is, I believe can give the Rams some, some, some trouble, but I can understand, especially after the Rams, you know, what, what they were able to do uh, last week. And, you know, that touch that, that pass that um, OBJ threw just reminded you of how talented he is. I mean, he looked, good throwing that ball <laughs> he had no problem throwing across the other side of the field and getting it out in front of the guy it was a it was it was a really good play you know and so you got you got some serious talent there and the rams are favored um my heart is with my niners my rooting is with my niners so well we just have to figure out a way and the way is to go punch somebody in the mouth and have them get seeing a few stars and a few birdies, and then in the meantime, sneak up a couple points on them. What do you got? Well, just like I said about the Bengals, I like the 49ers. I would love to see the 49ers win this game. I will be rooting for the 49ers to win this game, and I believe that the 49ers can win this game. Uh-oh. The only difference between that and what I said about the Cincinnati Bengals is 
I'm going to pick the 49ers to win this game. I'm going to pick the 49ers to go into L.A. The place is going to be a sea of red. The fans are going to be there. The joint's going to be rocking. And Shanahan's going to pull out all the stops. Let's remember, Shanahan and McVay know each other very, very well. They were both assistant coaches on the now defunct Washington you-know-whats, okay, as, as young fellas. And they're still young, but as really young assistant coaches, they worked on the same staff for a couple of years. So they know each other really, really well. Um, strengths, weaknesses, um, thought processes, this is all extra stuff that these two have to do when they're scheming against each other this week. This is this is this might be the best game. I don't know. It might be the lowest scoring game too. Watch out for that. But I believe that Shanahan has more tricks up his sleeve than McVeigh does. I really do. I think the fact that although Devontae Adams caught like eight or nine passes and uh, Rodgers was able to hit Aaron Jones eight or nine times out of the backfield against the Niners last week. The run game was pretty much held in check and nobody else could get open but those two guys. Alan Lazard caught one pass. He's the number two receiver on, on the backers. He caught one pass. So- Can I mention one thing? Will you want to mention something you said? Yeah, yeah, when you were talking about the run game for the Packers. Yes. Um, Dylan got hurt in the game. Oh, that didn't help him. I, I, I really felt that 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 he was being effective up to the point where he got hurt. Like, you know, his style of running that power, you know. Well, that was early. Running. That was extremely early in the game. Yeah, yeah. He had 27 yards. He scored a touchdown. Then he got hurt. Got so, it. yeah, that takes away from your one-two punch as far as your game plan is concerned. That's true. But Aaron Jones is more than adequate. Before they really started using A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones was pretty much doing it all by himself anyway. He's fully healthy, and he got off, okay? But that's the thing. If they can keep it to Cooper Cup and maybe Higby or Beckham get a couple of balls, and they can slow down Cam Akers, who's got fumbleitis. Niners can yeah, win this game. They're confident. They're confident in, in his ability to not fumble. Who, Cam Akers? I heard, yeah, I heard that today. Well, what else are they gonna say? He's their most effective <laughs> runner. So they have to play him. So they have to be confident. What are they gonna say? He's our most effective Robert runner, but he fumbled twice last week. So we're gonna get the ball to Sony Michelle more. No, uh, <laughs> no. All right, so you're going with the Niners, eh? I'm taking the Niners, yes, confidently. Confidently. All right, Benny, fourth quarter, we're going to talk about some hot topics, some hot football topics and current events. Let's kick it off with something that's kind of fun. I'm looking at it just as a fun thing. So <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal, of all people, wanted to weigh in 
and say he thinks Dion should be the next head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> now, I know you said we don't want to talk about Eagle fans and stuff, and I'm not, but talk about Eagle fans per se. But when I post this, I, I did have one comment. Let me see if, if I can see it here. There he is. Adrian Hopple. This, I love this guy. He is hilarious. Um, but he is an Eagle fan. And he says, that would be the greatest train wreck ever. He would love to see. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> first of all, this would never happen. Because he doesn't really want to go. He's still trying. But let me say this much real quick. You're right. It's probably not going to happen. But Deion is leading a lot of NFL Hall of Famers and people with deep NFL experience into college head yes. coaching yes. jobs. Yes. So can you see those guys now with two, three, four years of college head yes. coach experience? There yes. could be a big turnover in head coaching. They absolutely could. It doesn't necessarily have to be him. It could be any one of these guys because I don't know. I mean, you try to take people at their word, but obviously we've been around long enough to know that coaches word is only as good as whatever season it happens to be or whatever time it has to be. You know, these guys, everybody, if you, if you consider yourself a real coach or at least coordinator, your ultimate job is in the NFL. So if you're coaching in high school, you're trying to get to college. You're coaching in college, you're trying to get to the NFL. I, I, or you're trying to get from a mid-major to a D1 or D1 AA to a D1. And you're trying to climb the ladder. Um, so, so these guys that come in and they take over uh, at a college for the first time and they're ex-players, and this is probably their first time actually being a coach, okay, this might just be the stepping stone for them to start making the uh, coaches of color uh, step up to, to increase the numbers in the NFL. We might not see it for another four or five or six or seven years. But all of a sudden now, a new pipeline is forming that wasn't there before, you know? Here you got, you know, and, and the, one of the great excuses for not hiring some of these black coaches was that they didn't have college coaching experience or they were never uh, a, a coordinator or, you know, they might have been a wide receiver coach, or the, which happens. I, th I think Mike Tomlin was a wide receiver coach. So, you know what I mean? That, but you're not going to be able to use that anymore if this guy is Division One head coach. And then let's say his name is Eddie George. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're not going to interview Eddie George for that Texans head right. coaching job if he had four or five years experience as a head coach? Right. He indicated he was interested, you know? Exactly. Um, so so I, people I, can make fun of the whole Dion Jerry Jones explosion, which is probably what it would be. But I know Dion's smarter than that. And he wouldn't even put himself in that position. You have to be a certain kind of coach to work for Jerry Jones. And the people that take that job, they know that. You know what I mean? So 
<laughs> but I'm not saying Jerry Jones, you know, people say Jerry Jones is crazy and he's this and he's that and he's he meddles too much. Jerry Jones built that team. On paper, that team should still be playing. <laughs> that team should still be playing. It's a good team. Eagle fans, all oh, Dak sucks. No, 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 no. That's just hate. That team should still be playing. They blew it. So, you know, Jerry Jones put that team together, him and his son. McCarthy didn't have nothing to do with it. They're like, we'll call you when the draft's over, bro. So, oh, you by the give way, um, shout out to our boy Corey Clement, who right here just got a sneaker endorsement. I'm Did not going to say which brand because I would probably say the wrong one. Oh, yeah, you don't want to do that. And I don't want to do that. That's cool, though. But congratulations to Corey Clement. Well, congratulations on that. That money. Get that money. Absolutely. Let's see. Going back to our page, we kind of talked about this, where the Rams were restricting. It says controversial restricting on 49ers Rams ticket abruptly disappears. They were like, if you weren't in the L.A. zip code, they were not going to sell you tickets. They were going <laughs> to discriminate, discriminate, discriminate. <laughs> I like that word, though. That's pretty good. Discriminate. It was a discriminate. Um, and, and, and I guess enough of a, 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 a roar came up on that, that they abruptly made that correction. So you said, you know, it's going to be a sea of red. It's going to be a lot of red in the stands helping to offset the noise from those Rams fans. So, yeah, I just want to. If, if I remember correctly, and I'm trying to look at some, uh, some notes I have here, that announcement came out just before the tickets went on sale. Um, yeah, it appears the Rams are already afraid that the 49ers will again make SoFi their home. They're trying to restrict ticket sales for a potential NFC title game by geography. And then in this, it says, in my opinion, pathetic and also premature. But yes, it was, in fact, premature. And as soon as the tickets went on sale, they rescinded that. So they're going to sell the doggone tickets to anybody because it's money. Money overrules everything. They could care less who's in them seats. The players might care, you know, but the people selling the tickets don't. And if that's, that's true, true, then why did they put that restriction in there? That's but, they never, but they never did it. Why would they I even think, talk about it? Because they that might discourage some people from even trying to get them. Let's remember, L.A. fans, especially L.A. football fans, are extremely apathetic about their football team. Rams fans don't show up to games anyway. They're horrible. I thought they were Charger fans that, that we were talking no, about. Now. No, no. Charger fans are better than Rams fans. Ram better fans, than Rams fans? Ram fans are terrible. They're terrible. I mean, Chargers fans ain't great. It's, it's, I heard it's, so many times that the Chargers are like, the stadiums are practically empty. It's Los up. Angeles. We're talking about Los Angeles and used to be San Diego. The weather's freaking perfect. People that had the money to pay for those tickets also had the money to do 2,000 different things. <laughs> they 
can, they're on their yacht watching the game on television, eating shrimp and caviar. Come on, bro. They're not going to sit. You see them seats? See people sitting on top of each other? They're not going to. They buy the tickets and sell them to those people. So, so anytime Rams fans are outnumbered at their stadium, that's nothing new to them. They have it all the time. And they be rumbling. Ram, Ram 49, I guarantee you when this game is over, no matter who wins, you can go to YouTube and find at least 10 fights at that game. There'll be some fighting going on. Eh? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my in the stands, in the parking lot. <laughs> All right. What do we have next? Oh, my goodness. My man spoke for 90 minutes. Sean Payton. Talk oh, for man. 90 minutes to the press. This guy. Uh, decided he's going to. And he did not rule out coming back, coaching again. Well, at least he's honest. He also kind of said, hey, well, there's a big difference between coaching with a Drew Brees and without a Drew Brees. <laughs> at least he's honest. <laughs> so, you know, nice to be able to go smell the roses, visit with your family, do a little something, something, and know that whenever you want to put your toe back in the water, there'll be a lot of demand for your services. So it's he might be leaving move. the Saints. He might wind up coming back to the Saints. You never know. It could happen, but I doubt it. He, he's smart enough to understand that you can't win without a competent quarterback. And right now, he doesn't know if he has a competent quarterback or not. So let me get out before my reputation gets tarnished and wait and see what the, Ram, what the Saints do without me and weigh my options and decide if, in fact, I want to give Jerry Jones a call. I mean, the, the, the ties between Sean Payton and Jerry Jones supposedly are pretty strong. And uh, uh, I know, you know, a lot of Eagle fans are quaking in their boots, hoping that Sean Payton does not become the Dallas Cowboys coach, because at that point, you know, they won't have McCarthy to kick around anymore. And they'll probably, I say there's a good chance that Jerry Jones would respect Sean Payton a lot more than any other coach he's had besides Parcells and Jimmy Johnson. So at that point, and, and under Parcells, they were successful. Under Jimmy Johnson, they were super successful. You bring in Sean Payton, they're going to be successful again. Give Sean Payton and Dak Prescott to work with, eh? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's a damn saying, good quarterback. You give him a good quarterback like Dak. Absolutely. You know? And uh, he's better than Taysom Hill. And Jameis. <laughs> and put together. <laughs> All right. There you go, Sean Payton. Who's up next? Let me see what else we got here. Oh, Benny. I'm going to actually click on this now. Let me know if this comes up so that you can actually see this. Um, this is supposed to be a college all-star game? This is the NFLPA, the Players Association for the NFL Collegiate Bowl. Okay. Okay. I didn't know much about this, and I'm hearing about it. Is it new? Uh, I don't think so, but I don't know how old it is. 
Well, no, it's not new because what I'm getting ready to show you is a a list of the of the players who are going to play, and then a list of the players who have played. Okay. So let's look at the list of the players scheduled for this. Now, I'm not the college guy. You are the 2022 NFL PA Collegiate Bowl roster. Here's some of the names. Um, I can't even really point out anybody. That's my ignorance. But I did want to share this. Um, I'm seeing... South Alabama, Boston College, Oregon State, Florida A&M, Marquise Bell. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's a DB. His name is the name that kept popping up on the NFL channel, and they were saying that this guy's like a high jumper or something like that. He's got some crazy athleticism. Uh, I know they were talking about that. Uh, Cincinnati, Western Michigan, um, Elon University, Sacred Heart, so we got RBs. We got <coughs> Davis Cheek at quarterback. Um, don't know him. We got a Julius Chestnut at running back and a Mateo Durant, another running back. Got some linebackers there. I see Miami. I see Duke. I see Rutgers. Uh, yeah, RB. These, these aren't these aren't these aren't powerhouse college teams, bro. Well, I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying these are this is who is coming to this bowl. These are some of the schools that, that are sending people to the bowl. I, I can tell you right now, looking at this list, that I think this is great that the NFLPA is doing this because they're giving some guys that are not going to play in the East-West Shrine Bowl game, that are not going to play in the Senior Bowl, the big-time college all-star games, these guys are going to get an opportunity to showcase themselves in this game. I think this is great. I don't know nothing about this game, but after seeing that list, I can see that there are guys on there that deserve a look, but probably wouldn't get it in the more famous senior bowl and the more famous East West shrine bowl game and those type of all-star games. Okay. Not to mention that some dudes that are supposed to be going to the senior bowl and what have you will probably pull out of the game because nowadays these guys that are, are looking at their draft status and their agents are telling or their agents to be are telling them, dude, don't play in that. Suppose you get hurt. You got to start getting in shape for the combine. So these guys here, they're going to get an opportunity to showcase themselves in a big time game against other college players. They're not the top flight guys. They're just below the top flight guys. So I think this is a good deal. This is a good thing. Some of them might get combine invites off of this game. All right, Benny, based on what you just said, I am gonna share that you asked how long they've been doing this. this they have a 10th anniversary. anniversary. So, so how come I never heard this? How come it's never on TV? You had to come in bed to Ben and Barry on football to find out about this. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. I, I got that. <laughs> that, that Let's look at some names. It makes me wonder. 
Let's look at some names. Jamal Agnew, Jacksonville Jaguars, DB. Troy Apke, DB, Washington. Dorico Autry, Tennessee Titans. Kelvin Beecham, Arizona Cardinals. Tank Cohen, Bears. Chris Conley, Texans. Dude, this is, this is exactly what I said. Uh-huh. None of these guys were top flight. This guy's going to go in the first day of the draft, second day of the draft. None of these dudes. None of them. Shaquille Griffin. But they're all players. Shaquille Griffin was not hot. He was not. His brother was. He wasn't. Shaquille. Right. Shaquille got a chance to through this. Yes. That, that's that's Mar a good point. King. twins. You know, and you know that Shaquille had the problem, you know, with the missing hand. So this gave him an opportunity right. and he actually got. And that's what that's exactly what I'm saying. Sight unseen without ever even having heard of this game. When I saw the list of the guys that are playing and the schools that they're from, I fathomed that. And now that I see this, I understand that what I'm saying is correct. Look at this. Darnell Mooney. I don't even know what college Darnell Mooney went to. Okay. But the point they're making here is all these guys got an opportunity in this game that they wouldn't have been able to get in any other game. And now they're all in the NFL. And that's a great thing. And Marquette if the NFL PA, huh? Marquette King, punter. Remember Marquette? With yeah, the Raiders? He got a job now, though. Yeah, he was funny. He was a funny dude. <laughs> he was hilarious. Um, let's see real quick. We'll go through a few. And again, remind people, come to Benabari on football, um, and you'll be able to find this list in this article. Marquez Valdez Gantling. Right. So there you go. Antoine Woods, Damian Wilson, Jacksonville Jaguars, Indianapolis Colts. So these are all the members of the 10th anniversary team for the NFLPA Collegian Bowl. It says they have a rich history of talent in the 10 years since the Collegian Bowl was first played. The game has had numerous highly skilled athletes take the field and go on to have solid NFL careers. So I just wanted to kind of bring that up. Um, and, and share that information. Do we have a date for the um, broadcast of that game? Is it going to be broadcasted, do you know? Saturday, January 29th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Tickets are not available to attend this year's game due to the pandemic. So, uh, not January 29th is this weekend, right? Yep. So I'm not sure we'll have to figure out how to stream it. It doesn't say what channel it's going to be on or if even it's going to be on the channel. It's Saturday. So we have to kind of see what's going to happen with that. All right. That's cool because that'll help when the draft comes around. We get to the later rounds. I will have seen some of those names that are going to pop up in the third and the fourth and the fifth round. Collegiate. Okay. Okay. I like that. Excellent. Excellent. We talked about this and we're going to, and I'm going to finish up my part. So if you have anything you want to talk about, get yourself ready. We're about to close this bad boy. Actually, out. I really don't. I don't think. Let that. me say, 
here. Let me share this. I'm going to share it here, and then I'm going to click on the picture so you can see it better. I got something. I said I had to go back and see just when the cheetah, Tyreek Hill, gave the deuces peace sign on his way to the end zone. One blocker, four defenders with one a step ahead. Amazing. P.S. Check the link for Tyreek's foundation, the Tyreek Hill Family Foundation aims to empower individuals for a brighter future through education and wellness. So I kind of combined two things, the fun of watching him do his thing. And here I'm going to click on the picture, try to bring this up. He is giving this guy, dude, this guy is at least two yards ahead. <laughs> but guess what he got? He got the wrong number. His number starts with a five. He needs a number that starts with a two or one if he had a hope of catching Tyreek. Tyreek looked at him and said, I know you're ahead of me. I'm not even worried about the guys behind me. <laughs> Deuces. And, and I, I just thought that was hilarious. Was he at the 17-yard line approximately um, when, he, when he fills that deuces up? So I just thought that was hilarious. What can I say? Uh, actually, that guy 58 there, he's got no chance. <laughs> There's another guy that's down here somewhere that's not in the frame yet that actually came close to getting him right as he crossed the goal line. Okay. I remember because it wasn't a linebacker. He had a like a 20 number on. So there's another guy somewhere down in there. There's another guy that's further down. And he ran by him also. Who looked like he had the angle. So this guy, who's not in the frame here, actually believed I got a chance to get him. He had the angle. He was going to try to cut him off. And Tyreek just took the angle away. He just said, that, screw that angle. Screw it. I'm, you're not getting me, bro. You know? you know? And as you can see here, he's about, mm, I'd say, maybe three yards away from the sideline. Yeah. But when he scored... He was like a foot from the sideline. So that little difference plus his speed broke the other dude's angle. I don't want to say it broke his ankle, broke his angle. He, he was unable to get him. But, yeah, phenomenal run. Just the fact that once he broke loose and you knew it was going to be a problem, it, it, I know you just – you're sitting there going, oh, my God, oh, my – oh, oh. And he just <laughs> – yeah, and he didn't, and they did not penalize him because that's taunting normally, as they should have. Yeah, they should. Have, it should have been assessed on the kick. Yeah, kick off. Yeah. And and the guy right behind him, I mean, he's pretty close. Yeah, he had no chance. He has no chance. But he, he has, has no chance. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought it was good to, to to have a little fun with that, and and also to tout his foundation because we always like to do something positive um, when we finish up the show. And you said you had something. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it here because I want to be able to give a little bit of uh, detailed. I want to talk about the overtime, the overtime rules. <laughs> okay. 
okay? And I, I'm not talking about the overtime rules because I'm going nuts about the overtime rules. I'm just saying a lot of people are, and um, people are making statements like it's not fair and this, that, and the other. And, you know, if, if Josh had had a chance to get the ball, uh, it might have been different. Or if the Bills had won the coin toss, they probably would have won the game, but then we wouldn't have got to see Patrick Mahomes make another comeback and this and that. It's more of a fan thing, I think. I don't think the team's complaining, even though I did find out, because I look back a little bit, I forget what year it was. I want to say it was 2016, 17, something like that. Um, the Patriots, when Brady was still there, beat the Chiefs in an overtime game, same deal. They won the uh, coin toss. Brady took them down the field. They scored a touchdown, game over, and everybody's like, but that's the overtime rule. The only way you get another chance is if you can stop the team and force them to punt, or if they score a field goal, then you get an opportunity to do the same thing or get a touchdown and win the game. So, uh, there have been some other, ah, here it is. I found it. Somebody came up with three possible changes to the overtime rule. Now, I'm not going to tell you if I like them, don't like them, like one better than the other, but I'm going to tell you what they are really, really fast. Oh, and by the way, for the people that are saying that the Buffalo Bills should be quiet and don't cry about losing the overtime, the Buffalo Bills did not complain. It's the fans. It's not the players. However, in that game that Brady beat the Chiefs, the very next offseason, the Chiefs cried about it and tried to get the overtime rule changed. Just to let y'all know. <laughs> now, here we go. So this is called the spot and choose rule. And this has actually been proposed before by the Ravens last year but the NFL didn't do anything about it. If team A and team B were playing in overtime and team A won the coin toss, team A would pick any spot on the field where the first drive of overtime would start. And then team B gets to choose whether they want to play offense or defense. That was proposed back in the uh, Chiefs situation. They said the Ravens didn't put brought this up last year. Okay, I remember that. I remember that. You remember that this proposal? Proposed. I remember hearing that before. Okay. Oh. Sounds interesting to me. If I win the toss and say, okay, the drive starts on the 10, and then you say, okay, then I'll go on defense. In other words, you have to – do you believe in your offense? They can drive from anywhere on the field against that team. You're going to pick a starting spot that the other team doesn't believe they can drive from. Right? Okay. That's one. The field goal gamble. I don't think you heard this one. <laughs> uh... Okay, so under this rule, the home team would pick a distance for a, this is after regulation is over. The home team would pick a distance 
for a field goal that would decide who gets the ball first in overtime. Okay? Kickers are well rested. They've been sitting on the sideline all game. No big deal. Who's kickers? The kicking? away team would then decide which team has to attempt the field goal. Okay. So if the home team says 55 yards, then the away team can say, okay, you kick it. If he makes it, they get the ball first. If he misses it, I get the ball first. <laughs> You're like, sounds gimmicky. Yes. Yes. It's like the penalty shot in hockey. That's what I how I look at that one. Okay. And then there's the old, both teams get the ball no matter what. You know? Uh, so whether they score a touchdown score or not, touchdown, the other team. team gets the ball, and in order to tie yeah. and go forward, they have to score a touchdown too. Yes. And, the, and if they do, then at that point it becomes sudden death. The next score wins regardless. I did hear one more um, offering. Okay. From Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football. Oh, boy. This, this is going to be funny, I'm sure. Well, not really. Was he serious? He was seems to, he, this was his uh, offering. Uh, he said okay. they should just play a 10-minute quarter straight up for overtime. Kind of like in basketball, we just have a timed overtime. Chris it Carter said, no way. It can end in another tie. It could tie again. Well, that's one thing sudden death kind of eliminates is the tie thing, right? You have to have some form of sudden death. The way it is now, touchdown, done. Field goal, other team gets a chance. But they must now either field goal and kick it off again or score a touchdown, done. That way you know the game is only going to go so far. Of all the options, I think the one where you're saying if they score a touchdown, then the other team gets a – at least they get the ball back and they get to try, you know what I mean? Uh, to me, that's at least a moderate step. It's not too far gone, you know what I mean? And it satisfies that whole piece about both teams having an opportunity um, without – and keeps, as you were saying, keeps the sudden death aspect in the game. So that seems to be kind of a compromise situation in my mind. Um, the stat that I heard was something like for the team, like uh, out of the last 11 op times this happened, the team that, you know, won, won 10 times. One, yeah, something like that, won the game. It was like a, a, a real overwhelming stat in the it's favor of whoever wins the toss. Right. And to me, if it's that overwhelming and we're talking about a flip of a coin, we need to think about changing it. I'm not saying, oh, my God, you got to change it. I'm saying they should really put their heads together because that's not cool. That's not cool. That's why you see Ravens going for these two-point conversions at the end of regulation because they don't want to go to overtime. Okay. All right. Well. At least this sounded like a, some constructive conversation relative to the overtime rule. There's a lot of hysteria going on with the overtime. Yeah, only because that game was so good and it seemed like 
They score, you score. They score, you score. They score, you score. And believe me, people are marveling at Tyreek Hill and the throws that uh, Mahomes made. Did you see them throws Josh Allen made? Bro, Gabriel Davis scored all four touchdowns. That one to Gabriel Davis where Gabriel did that little skinny post, He the, the, the ball was practically to him as soon as he turned inside. Yep. On it a was, rope. It was a beautiful pocket pass. It was a laser beam. It was a, and again, you know, Josh showing he can play from the pocket, you know, and, and arm strength is not an issue at all. He can get that ball wherever it's got to go. So, yeah, that, that, you know, it, but the sudden death, somebody's got to lose. So I, I, I do like that as a compromise, you know, where you, you do give the other team a chance if to got team score six, then they got to come down and score six. The field goal not going to get it. You know what I mean? Not going to win it. So And even if they do score six, now you had a chance on defense, you let them score a touchdown, you had your chance on offense, you matched them, but now – if they get a field goal, you're done. Sudden death. Right. Then any, nobody can complain they didn't get a chance. All if right. you had, if they had got the ball first and you held them to a field goal, and then you marched down and you scored a touchdown, well, the game's over. But you didn't. You let them score a touchdown. Now, in order to keep the game going, you had to score a touchdown. You did that. But that's it. You can't let them score no more. If you don't force them to punt and you drive down and kick or whatever, you're screwed. But there's no complaints because each team had a chance to be on offense and on defense. I think that's fair. I think that's the best one. All right. We, we kind of agree on that situation. All right. Any last words for Ben and Barry on football? Um, nah. It's, it's going to be spring league soon. Go Knowles. 